Let us turn in God's word this morning to Psalm 130. Psalm 130. Psalm 130, entitled A Song of Degrees. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. But Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God bless the reading of his holy scriptures unto our hearts. The verses that we take for the text of the sermon this morning are verses 3 and 4. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? There is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is evident from this psalm that the writer of this particular psalm had conducted the sobering work of self-examination. He had looked to see if there was any wickedness within him. He had examined himself not according to the standards of the world. He had not held himself merely unto the standard of his neighbor and compared himself to what other people upon this earth had done. But he had held himself to the standard of God himself. As Jehovah God revealed himself to the psalmist in God's holy law. And as the psalmist looked into the mirror of God's holy law, the reflection that came back to him was that of guilt. He found himself not righteous, but unrighteous. He acknowledged that there were iniquities in his life. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? The question then is, how does one respond when they acknowledge that there is iniquity in one's heart. You see, the temptation when one is confronted with the reality of his or her own sinfulness is to commit yet another sin 
in responding to the reality of sin. The temptation is to either cover up the sinfulness that one acknowledges. The temptation is to try to run away from consequences of that sinfulness. Or the temptation is to minimize the seriousness of that sinfulness. But how did the psalmist respond? Confronted with his own sinfulness, he cried. The first verse, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. That's the only thing that the child of God can do, confronted with sinfulness. Cry unto God, hope and wait on his word. Forgiveness with the Lord. We use that as our theme This morning, forgiveness with the Lord, first marked with iniquities, second, gracious redemption. The psalmist asks the question, verse 3, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, who shall stand? Mark iniquities. Iniquities, you understand, are transgressions of God's holy law. Iniquity includes any violation of what God has set as the standard for what is right. And iniquity is not merely an accidental slip. And and iniquity is not merely falling into something against the will of the individual. But an iniquity is an intentional deviation from the holy law of God. Further, an iniquity is intentional enmity against God. An iniquity is to say unto God, I do not love you. I do not honor you in my life, but I am going to do as I please. The psalmist here in Psalm 130 acknowledged his own personal iniquities. In the first verse, he uses the first person singular, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. He acknowledged that he personally had deviated from God's holy law and that it was no accidental slipping from the standard but that it was an intentional enmity against God. But the psalmist as well in this psalm acknowledged the corporate guilt of the nation of Israel. It was not just him. He as an individual who had sinned, but the whole of Israel as they stood before God were filled with iniquities. Verse 8, 
and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. That's what the the week of self-examination has revealed unto us yet again. That there are countless iniquities within us as individuals and, more broadly, there are corporate iniquities. That we as a congregation are guilty of. But then there's more that's found in this word iniquities. Iniquities not only emphasizes that there's deviation from the law, but also this, that then there is guilt and shame that comes as a result of having broken God's holy law. There are different words that are used in the Hebrew language, which is what the Old Testament was inspired in, different words that speak of sin. And these different words emphasize different aspects of sin. And this particular word translated as iniquity emphasizes the guilt that one has for his or her sins. It could happen that one commits a crime and that one knows that he's committed a crime but that, that individual, because of the hardness of his soul, does not feel any remorse for having committed that crime. It could be that, 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 that the conscience of that individual has been seared with a hot iron. That the individual has committed that particular sin over and over again and has gotten to the point in his life where he now is shameless in committing that particular sin. You see, there's a difference between knowing that one has sinned and feeling guilt over that sin. And the psalmist here acknowledges not only that he has committed sins, but also that he has guilt because of that sin. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, who shall stand? Mark. Mark. That word mark means to keep a record. To have a ledger where all of the offenses, all of the iniquities are listed out. If the Lord should mark, would it be just of God to keep a ledger of all of the sins that were committed against Him? If God remembered with His perfect memory every time that one of His children committed an act of enmity, against God, could we accuse God of being unjust for marking our iniquities? Not only is it the case that God would be justified in marking our iniquities in His book, but God also would be justified in marking our iniquities in our consciousness. God would be justified in writing upon our souls 
the sins that we have committed against him and the guilt that we have for those sins that we have committed against him. It would not be wrong of God day after day to have pressed upon the forefront of our minds the thought that we are guilty, that we are sinners, that we are marked with iniquities. Even if it was the case that we had but a singular iniquity, God would be justified in marking us. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Who, being marked in his or her own conscience with the sins that are committed, could dare to stand before such a God. The psalmist emphasizes the greatness of the God against whom we have sinned. And he does so by using two different words, two different names to call upon our God. Maybe you notice that in the verse. The one time that he speaks of Lord, it's capitalized. The second time that he calls upon the name of the Lord, it's not capitalized. The first time, Lord in all caps emphasizes that sins are committed against the covenant God. It's Jehovah, the I am that I am, the everlasting God who has established a relationship with his people. If that covenant God would mark iniquities, who could stand? But then the second time that he references the name of our God, uses Lord in the lowercase, O-R-D. And that name emphasizes the fact that God is the master, that God is the ultimate, the supreme, the sovereign ruler. If the almighty ruler, if the just judge marks our iniquities, who could stand for even a moment? Who, having his conscience smitten with the guilt of his own enmity against God, could dare to stand before this covenant God who created a relationship with you and say unto this God, I am holy and I deserve to stand in thy holy presence. David dared to stand before Goliath. And Daniel was equipped to stand before the lions in the lion's den. But who would stand? Who could stand before the God who is holy? If the Lord would hold every one of our sins before us and give unto us the consciousness of the guilt, the damnation that would be ours, Because of our sins, who could stand before him? The question you understand is rhetorical. No one could stand before such a God. Not only is it the case that no one could stand before such a God, but also this. 
no one would want to stand before such a God. To stand before this God who marks iniquities would be to stand in the presence of one who is a consuming fire. To stand before this holy God being marked with iniquities would be to have one cast into the depths of hell where God pours out upon that individual the punishment, the penalty for our iniquities. Who shall stand? Having examined ourselves in the week gone by and seen our sins yet again, we acknowledge that we have nothing that we can offer unto God. No righteousness by which we can claim that we deserve to be in God's presence. Nothing in ourselves that gives us the strength to stand for a moment before our God. Our only hope is that with Him there is gracious redemption. Verse 4, but, but there is forgiveness with thee. With Jehovah, there is forgiveness. With Jehovah and with Jehovah only, there is forgiveness. With no other God is there forgiveness to be found. Jehovah God is the unique God. Every other God upon this earth, every false God, who is but the figment of man's imagination, has certain objective standards. And according to every false God, you must meet those standards. You must give unto him what he demands of you. And if you should fail to give unto that false God what he demands of you, then you will face the severity and the judgment of that false God. That false God will not give unto you blessing, but that false God will curse you. It is not with the false gods of this world that there is forgiveness, but with thee, with Jehovah, and with Jehovah only, there is forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's pardon. Forgiveness. It's a covering of every single one of the sins and the guilt that is due unto us for those sins so that it is no longer possible for the record of sins to be seen. It is taking that record which has written on it all of the sins of God's people and it is wiping that record clean, so that there is not a single sin outstanding on that account. Forgiveness. It's not merely taking that record and taking white out and covering up 
with white out all of the sins that were committed so that if you look closely, you might be able to see through that whiteout some lingering effects of that sin. Or so that if you take something sharp and file away that whiteout, it's possible to reveal those sins again. It's not simply taking a piece of tape and covering up on that record with the tape all of those sins so that someone might snatch that tape away, pull it away, and again your sins are revealed and again one is convicted and feels guilty, unable to stand before the presence of God. That's not the idea, the biblical idea of forgiveness. But forgiveness is completely washing that record away. It's the removal of the impurity itself. Forgiveness. From God's point of view, it is as if the sins were never committed. God declares through the prophet Isaiah, I will remember thy sins no more. But what explains the forgiveness that is with Jehovah? How is it possible that with Jehovah there is forgiveness? Is it the case that God is not the God of justice? We spoke of the gods of the world and we said they have certain standards that must be met. And if you fail to meet those standards of the gods of the world, then they will not bless you, but they will curse you. Is it the case then that our God, in distinction from the gods of the world, has no standards? Is it the case that perhaps God does have standards, but then God simply forgets about those standards? No, that's not at all the case. Our God does have standards. He is the God of truth. God knows our sins. God is the God of justice. Herein is the explanation of how God is the God of our forgiveness. He is not only the God of justice, but He is also the God of mercy. He is Jehovah who keeps covenant with his people. He is the God who has a perfect memory, who knows every one of our sins, and who indeed marks our iniquities. But the question is, upon whose conscience does he mark our iniquities? He does not mark our iniquities upon our consciousness. But he marks, he marked our iniquities on the consciousness of his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. He who was the Lamb without blemish became blemish 
with our iniquities. Jesus took upon himself the sins and the curse due unto us for those sins, and he became marked in the presence of God. He was smitten with the guilt of our sins. He was cast from the presence of the holy God and drank that cup of God's wrath. God, in his mercy, marked his son so that we can stand in God's presence. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. That's the response of the child of God. I fear thee. I have reverence in my heart for thee. I believe that I've been cleansed with the blood of thy Son, Jesus Christ. I love thee. And now I give unto thee thanksgiving. For forgiveness is with the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, Thou who dost graciously redeem Israel from her iniquities, Thou who dost lift us up out of the pit and give unto us redemption through Jesus Christ, we thank Thee for Thy word. Wilt thou bless it unto our hearts, that thou be with us now as we partake of thy holy supper. Strengthen our faith, for Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.